Kia ora. This program is brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Kia ora whanua. you're listening to Voice of Aroha from Wellington Access Radio 106.1 FM. Today we are coming with a new guest and a new topic. It's just interesting topic and interesting person to know to show you and your guys listening. You will hear the story of the person in a short now. But before that, I want to say thank you to our sponsor and partners, Host International New Zealand, Wellington Access Radio and Changemaker Resettlement Forum for supporting this program. And uh, there was a lot of things going on in New Zealand recently and I hope you guys have enjoyed your holidays, the listeners. Today, we have a special guest in studio. It's name Shayma Arif. Shayma, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Good, thank you. <laughs> it's good to be in the studio. I feel very VIP. Yeah, very welcome. We are so glad to have you here today. Very honored. So how was your weekend and the week going? Um, how was the weekend? I went um, for a walk. It was nice and sunny. I don't go out a lot. I'm really introverted, by the way. <laughs> so um, finally got out for a bit and um, yeah, just got to see the sunshine. I went to the at the Turk Memorial Park, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which I have some questions about in my mind, <laughs> but it was a nice walk, anyways, and just spend it with my cat, I guess, for the rest of the day. How was yours? Oh, that's just great, chilling, doing some work. Oh no! <laughs> no. <laughs> well, no. yeah, it was great Sunday, but with a bit windy. It's yep. fine. It's Wellington. Today was cold. Yes. Yeah, yeah today it was cold. Really, really cold. So from your visit, I see you went to a place, then you have a questions. Now we will come. Tell us <laughs> before we go into details. Tell us and tell the audience who you are. Who is Shema? Sure. Um, cool. So my name is Shema Arif. Uh, I am a Syrian Iraqi New Zealander, so second generation immigrant. I am from Tamaki Makaurau in Kirikiriroa, but I um, currently live here in Tifanga Nui Aotearoa since January 2020 because I um, moved here for work. I'm a human rights advisor, and yeah, prior to that, I was working in Tamaki Makaurau as a refugee and human rights lawyer um and yeah that's kind of i guess a general gist of of who i am i suppose very welcome yes. very welcome <laughs> cure too and it's interesting to see i will start with about the identity because i heard that you're syrian palestinian or no Iraqi. i'm not Sorry, I, Iraqi. If, you, if you say i'm palestinian i'll accept it it's fine i would love to be palestinian uh dad's iraqi and mom's syrian okay yeah. and new zealanders as well you. I ident- I mean, I guess I identify as a mm. New Zealander just because it's the only home that I've known. But because mm. I've never been to Iraq or Syria, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, I think I did my DNA test recently. I'm not going to go into that. <laughs> but it's a lot more ethnically diverse than I expected. Um, but yes, I, I'm dad's basically Iraqi and mom Syrian. Uh-huh, very yeah. welcome. Yeah. And that's just really nice um, how you're identifying yourself. And also you are a human rights advisor. Yes, right. yes, I'm a human rights advisor at the moment with uh, Te Kahui Te Katangata, so the Human Rights Commission. Mm-hmm. But if I say anything in this podcast, it is my views and my views only, and not the views <laughs> of my workplace. <laughs> just have to put that out there, just yeah. in case. Nice. Better Cute. be safe than sorry. <laughs> <laughs> right, and it's, uh, it's your right to say that, right? <laughs> so tell us, how is that working? How is your job? Is it exciting? Do you love you, what you are doing? <laughs> <laughs> I, um, yeah, it's it's exciting. I mean, I think for any ethnic person, like any person who identifies as black, indigenous person of color, I think it's really difficult to work in the public sector. 
it's very challenging but alhamdulillah like you know you take what you you do what you can with the roles that you have and that's what I'm doing at the moment and so I really do miss practicing law like I really miss it but I had to take a step back I think from that it was really challenging for that year that I was working as a lawyer and it's kind of taking a step back and doing more kind of project work and stuff so that's quite nice and also just deepening my knowledge with human rights which is something that I'm very passionate about and that's the only reason I did my law degree um mm. because of you know refugee rights and human rights and all of that sort of stuff so yeah alhamdulillah it's good I feel like I just sometimes miss the grassroots community stuff so it's mm. important to balance that out to do your mahi the nine to five work as a public servant but mm. also outside of that remember what your kind of roots are and to continue doing community work I guess to fill mm. your cup yeah good and how is important to you when a voice like you from ethnic backgrounds to have it in such a organization working with human rights commission yeah it's a it's a an interesting um party and i think an important one um i think there's a lot of intersectionalities i think diversity in general is quite important right like whether it's gender diversity religious diversity ethnic diversity xyz and even having you know the intersection of people with lived experience of disability um amongst mm. other things but i think <laughs> i think it's they're not mutually exclusive like you can have all of them existing together i guess mm. and that representation existing in an entity and i worry sometimes that ethnic people get left behind because workplaces want to say oh we have like gender diversity we have um disability we have um Uh, kind of you know people from diverse backgrounds like the rainbow community so therefore we don't need ethnic diversity and i think that's a myth like i think that's a really dangerous mm. way of thinking because ethnic diversity absolutely is so crucial is so important and having people seeing themselves and their cultures represented in the workplace is so incredibly important especially in positions of leadership because when you're in a position of leadership you have lived experience of what your communities are going through And so mm-hmm. you can bring people along, you can bring issues along, you can really progress a lot of that that work that relates to a lot of diverse communities um, or ethnically mm-hmm. diverse communities, I guess. So I think it's incredibly important. I think we're in 2021, so I think it should not be acceptable for any workplace to be sitting on a table talking about a community group without having people from that community sitting with them on the table. I mm. think it's just not acceptable anymore. So absolutely, ethnic diversity and just diversity in general is so incredibly crucial mm-hmm. in any workplace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very right. It's also I like the thing when they people say nothing about us without us. Yeah, Which, by the community yeah. for the community. Exactly. You yeah. know, and that's uh, we should kind of have a, that basic rule for every kind of issue or communities when we talk. Yeah, absolutely. we're talking about, uh, for instance, issues about. Um, specific community for disabilities we need to have the representative of this community present or yeah. rainbow community or refugee mm-hmm. or migrant and etc and the thing is like we're a population of five million mm-hmm. you can't tell me that you can't tell me that there's nobody from those communities exactly that's excelling and has expertise and you know lived experience and professional um experience in those specific uh kaupapa like you You just can't tell me that they don't exist. So 
Absolutely. I think you're right. Like you hit the nail on the head. If you have jobs that require talking about a specific topic, then why not have people with lived and professional experience? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And also, especially like, you know, what do you think about your thoughts about some organization or agencies where, you know, they say we represent this kind of voice, for instance, the ethnic or refugees, mm. but while from they are not having a living experience, they could have a professional experience. Will this, do you think that kind of voice will be 100% accuracy without the current people itself who, you know, for instance, like this, you cannot feel the pain unless you have the pain, mm. right? The, the one who have a pain, he will do, he will feel and he will like, describe and express how is my, something is paining me. Yeah. So there's a lot of people we see them in terms, especially leadership positions. Mm. That's the, the positions that we need more diverse people yeah. to take decisions. What are your thoughts when the other organizations who are dominating those kind of sectors and say we are representing this and that? Well, in reality, they are not like that. Yeah. Do you think it's important we have real representation from community itself? Yep. It's a, it's a very good question. And I think one that affects a lot of BIPOC, Black, Indigenous, people of color, like you, um, especially Rangatai within those spaces. Mm-hmm. Um, I think one thing I would say is lived experience, unfortunately, in colonial settings, so in Aotearoa, Australia, Canada, um, XYZ, but especially I think in the New Zealand context, lived experience of communities of color are not seen, and, and, and the other diverse background, is not actually taken as serious as professional experience. So I was talking to my friend about this recently um, because something had happened to me. And he said, you know what, like the colonial way of thinking mm. is so bad. Like they don't understand that when you were a kid, when we grew up as kids, we were already gaining experience because we had to be the spokes spokespeople of our family, of our parents. We had to do a lot of the mahi. We had to be the middle mm-hmm. person between mm-hmm. our family and, and others um, when it comes to like living in the Western and the diaspora. So we have that growing up and it's what builds us. So what's cre- it, what's, it's what creates our passions. There's a reason that a lot of immigrant families have high achieving kids. So I think I think it's it's absolutely just so integral for these colonial systems to decolonize and to start accepting lived experience to be on the same level as professional experience. And so coming to your question, I think about when there's not representation of people with lived experience and roles that are relevant to specific communities. Again, we're in 2021. I think it's it's just become really old and boring to have, and I'm really, by the way, I'm really blunt about this. I think a lot of young people from from you know our backgrounds are quite blunt about this because it's enough. For 150 years, Pakeha have ruled Aotearoa New Zealand. They've had their privilege. They've been able to um, put insert themselves in specific spaces and um, kind of build their careers off of the struggles of migrant, uh, immigrant, uh, refugees, asylum seekers, indigenous peoples. They've literally built their careers off of their traumas. Enough is enough. Like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. enough is enough. We have voices now. You don't need to be the voice. White people don't need to be the voice of the voiceless because we already have voices. Mm-hmm. You just need to pass us the microphone. Let us get on with our work. Let us get, you know, done with it. And if you want to be a good ally, then you sit down beside us. You can guide us. You can advise us. You can hype us up. But that's about as far as it goes. It, like, you know, we've there was a place and time for white people to be taking the microphone and since maybe about five years ago, it's gotten really boring, to be honest, and we just need to move away from that. So, um, yeah, I think it's integral. You can't really, 
you can't really understand the the kaupapa and relate to the people and see people as your equals um, if you're 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 pretty much stealing the space from them if you're recolonizing the space. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I hope that answers your question a little bit. I don't mean <laughs> yep. to sound pessimistic. I just feel like yep. it happens a lot in front of me, and and like I had mentioned just before, like there's a webinar next week on asylum seekers and refugees, and major ninety five percent of the speakers are all Pakeha with mm. no lived experience. They don't know what it means to be a refugee, mm. but there are incredible people with um, refugee and asylum seeker backgrounds who have gone through the process and are advocates. Why aren't you giving them the microphone mm-hmm. and letting them speak, you know? Definitely. Very well said. Very well said, my friend, Shema. And especially, and also about the passing the mic, you know. it's We are mm. not ignoring that, the taking the position of others. It's just like Lee said, if you are really care about this, empower the people. Work mm. alongside with them. Empower their voice to be that kind of, in a leadership positions. Absolutely. And we share the table together. Yeah. Instead of because we, we the people who come from refugee migrant backgrounds to this country, looking to contribute what they bring with themselves, mm. you know, despite being okay, this is a new home and all of that, we are thankful for peace and stuff. But at the end of the day, we want also to contribute to our new home. Yeah. Right. If you open your door to me, then to say to welcome, this is your home again. Thank you so much for that. But. Well, you, if you treat me as a normal human being to be in the same level, then you allow me to contribute my skills. You mm. allow me to empower me to get these positions that we can have a voice mm. and we can also advise in the issues that matter to the, our communities. Yeah, so, absolutely. Total core, everything you've just said. You have said very well. And I know you are also more than, than the, your work of human rights, also talented in other states. How is your terrier? <laughs> I was like talented and what? <laughs> uh, I I honestly I don't think because I I grew up in a very competitive um, with a very competitive sister. So she's she my oldest sister is fluent in Tereo and um, she just did a Tereo Maori quiz for us wow. last what two days ago over the weekend. I got so angry. I was like, you're always just trying to show off. Um, I think for me, yeah, I'm still learning Tereo Maori. I'm still trying my best to. To, to put an effort into it, but I need to go back to um, <laughs> fully investing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like yeah. not just taking it as a, uh, like every few days I'll learn something here and there. I think for me, it's really, because I did Tijuana and Go Aotearoa back in 2017. Mm-hmm. I think it's time that I really invest in that again, like have a proper three hours a week at least to do it. Um, because if you don't practice that, then you lose it, I guess so. Yeah. So I'm ashamed to say that I'm 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 still on my Tereo journey at the moment. Yeah. Yeah, but I know you speak good, very good. Just a few <laughs> phrases here and there, and I say them fast so people think that I know what I'm saying. <laughs> no, no, you are doing great, Thanks. and plus, plus of that, I know you as a community person. You are also very active within the community and stuff you do. So recently, if we want to talk about uh, something you, the initiative you are leading, do you want to tell more the audience yeah, about it? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I do have, yeah, the organization that I um, kind of started in 2019 after the terrorist attacks, shortly after. Uh, it's called Dar uh, Salam or Tifari Rangi Marie, which translates into House of Peace. And I think growing up in New Zealand, I just didn't feel very connected to 
the communities I'm supposed to feel connected to. I didn't feel like there was a community here and I never felt kind of that, you know, I could feel a sense of peace. So I guess this Kaupapa was to create a house of peace or a safe space for ethnic rangatahi, but specifically um, rangatahi of colour who um, yeah, are in Aotearoa, New Zealand, and what we could do is we can empower them through different initiatives that we do. So very small team. It's me, my sister, and my friend. Um, and since then, yeah, we've done like a grieving with um, trauma, uh, coping, with, um, coping with trauma workshop. So that was in 2019. Um, it was a really good number of, of rangatahi who attended it. Uh, we did a Meet the Candidates um, hui, uh, and yeah, we do some online webinars as well, um, just to touch on things that, that I guess impact young people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sounds good. And it's also what a very beautiful name. Yes. Yeah. Um, or House of... House of Peace. House of Peace. Yeah, yeah. That's great. And are you doing any podcasts yes with it. <laughs> so i have to say i love the, the the name house of peace so much that i decide because i've always wanted to do a podcast but i've just been really busy with everything um but i recently i wanted to i just put my head down and i said i'm gonna do it and um the reason i'll tell you the background <laughs> is because of actually it's because of lockdown that, that i pushed me to do this it's I'm a type of person that feels really claustrophobic at times. I'm introverted, but I feel claustrophobic. And I don't know, I just one day felt like, I felt like I'm so disconnected from the outside world. I think, I don't know if it's the same thing for you, but for me, like Palestine, Syria, our homelands, like that kind of cope up is really important. And with this whole pandemic, I just felt really isolated and I felt really mm-hmm. disconnected. So I started rewatching some, ad, like some Syrian related um kind of footage and um and that that I guess was one of the reasons that I thought you know what I want to do a podcast that can bridge the divide between people here in New Zealand and people overseas so we can mm-hmm. share stories across the oceans I guess yeah. uh specifically highlighting the stories of black indigenous people of color so I called it House of Peace podcast but it's actually not related to the House of Peace <laughs> um initiative that I have the organization oh, okay. they're separate yeah. so um yeah they're completely separate but I I just wanted to call it House of Peace because I wanted the podcast to feel also mm-hmm. kind of like a safe space um, where we weren't going to judge and it was just sharing of stories. Definitely. Yeah. And we congratulate you on that work and keep it up. Thank you. Because also this program have helped us as well a lot because in lockdown, especially in 2020, yeah, that we have done and hosted too many guests who come to the show, which we is both way. You know, we engage with the community, engage the guests, and we learn also a lot from the people that come to the show, and the stories they share, the knowledge they have, and uh, etc. Yeah. So, congrats on that and keep Thank it you. up. Thank you. And we're looking forward that uh, when you share stories and stuff, we may promote it also in the social media. Yeah, of course. I'll so keep you guys updated. How how the people will listen to it? So uh, we officially launched the first episode today. It's on Spotify. Oh. Um, so you just have to look House of Peace podcast, find the picture of the girl wearing the hijab, and that's the one. <laughs> uh, our first episode was with Sean Binder, who is currently facing trial for saving lives in Greece. Uh, his hearing is on the 18th of November so please do listen to the podcast so that you can find out how you can help them as well during um, this situation that they're in yeah yeah sounds great and we're looking forward for it yeah sweet that's great 
And moving on more, Shema, what else you want to tell us, the community, other stuff you do? Anything else you do in the community? Because um, you're an activist as well. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think my workplace would like me saying that. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> you know, what? ever since I joined the public sector, like not in my workplace, but other workplaces, they're like, call yourself an advocate, not an activist. People don't <laughs> like the word activist. I love the word activist. I love the word radical. I love all of these things, but... Um, yeah, I think people sometimes take it the wrong way. I um, <laughs> I guess I was an activist more before I joined the workforce, I think, and before I joined the public sector. When you join the public sector, there's it's a very colonial system. So it's like you have codes of conduct and you have to be a certain way. And it's just difficult for people like me. With my, like, I don't know, just I, I'm so used to being outspoken because nobody listens. So you have to try to raise your voice even more, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then joining the public sector, they're expected you to just be quiet, do your work, don't argue, <laughs> just get on with it, which is quite, quite difficult. So mm. I kind of don't know if I deserve the activist title anymore. But back in the days, I used to do a lot of, yes, Palestinian advocacy and activism. Um, and I actually, funny story, got kicked out of my lecture one time by a Zionist lecturer when mm. I was 19 years old at Waikato University. He wow. was so angry at me for being pro-Palestine that he actually, in front of everybody, barged towards me and um, kicked me out of the class and called me the A-word. Wow. <laughs> that was 19-year-old wow. Shema, like, <laughs> so po like so optimistic about the world and thinking, oh, my God, so I'm going to make a change. Change something, give you more, like, to what? power to change stuff yeah i mean in the long term yes at the time as soon as he closed the door i started crying mm -hmm. i was so scared i just didn't want him to see me cry but afterwards yeah i i was it was nice because i used to walk around campus and i remember people had because i wrote it on facebook at that time what happened mm. and so people were coming up to me and being like yeah like i really support what you've done and like well somebody um actually ended up two people ended up dropping out of their his class on the same day when that happened to mm. me. Um, and I remember walking in campus and somebody, as a 19 year old, it was something <laughs> big. Uh, somebody saying, oh, you're my hero. And I was thinking, oh my God, people care about Palestine, you know? <laughs> so it definitely did encourage me, but that lecturer, mm. just absolutely vile. I'm so happy he's left the university now. Mm -hmm. I can mention his name if you want to add a little drama. <laughs> <laughs> it's free mic for you, yeah. I hope he's listening and he get the, uh, what? Well, who are you are now? Which is, we are so proud of you, all the achievement you have done. Thanks. The things you are doing as well is really contributing very well to all the society and uh, our specific communities as well. So, kapai to you. Thank you. I hope so. And you're doing great. So, we're coming kind of a few minutes left to in this episode. But we want to go a bit back with questions about how do you did you grow up here or did you born in New Zealand? No, I wasn't. I was born in Abu Dhabi, United Arab Emirates, oh, okay. like so, every other immigrant yeah, yeah. <laughs> in New Zealand. <laughs> so you're growing up in New Zealand. So far, how do you find it's your home? I know, but yeah, kind of you don't have the experience to compare it to other places. Right? <laughs> the only mm. the only comparison is Emirat because I did okay. some of my schooling in the United Arab Emirates. Um, yeah, I think growing up as a third culture kid is always not the best to be mm. honest um but um, i my i my journey with my identity is really complex so i didn't wear the hijab until i was just before i turned 17 like when i was graduating high school 
So because uh, if any, if you guys can hear me, you can't see me, but I am unfortunately what a lot of people call white passing. So I have very fair skin. I have green eyes. And so people don't know sometimes when I was younger, mm. they didn't know that I was was Arab sometimes. They could tell from my hair because my hair wasn't like typical European hair and some features of mine. But other than that, people thought that I was just sometimes Pakeha. Mm. And I used to tell people to call me Shay, not Shayma, because mm. I didn't want them to know that I was Arab and... I feel really bad saying this, but mom, when she used to pick me up from school, I used to get really sad from mm. intermediate. I just didn't want anybody to know that I was Muslim. Like, I didn't want anybody to know that I was anything mm. kind of that they thought was foreign. So it wasn't until, yeah, it wasn't until I graduated, like I was in high school in the Emirates that I became more comfortable with my identity and who I am and being an Arab and being Okay, a white passing person of color, I guess, but it's it's taken a really long time to to accept that and to be incredibly proud of it. Um, mm. So yeah, I think again, third third culture kid is very difficult. You don't fit in in any world. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, right. But the end, um, the results where you are now is just great that you see the challenges, the things that come in the way. Of many people, which is unfortunate that in that time when we are kids, we don't want to, this kind of challenges come because we just third like people from ethnic background they need to live normal life as other any other kids. Yeah, yeah, right? exactly. We sometimes a lot of times we miss this mm. either from the home countries or the places where we settle as the migrants or the refugees or anyway that we come in the other country. It's very hard. Exactly. But all this, I think, don't stop us that to make a difference in the future of the yeah. things, which is, look, the journey is really influenced because from something that where you were at and look at you now where you are as a great voice in a community in the general and all the works that you do. And plus, you're proud about the identity where you are now, which is it's same things uh, happening to us, email because uh, a kind of. Or you can say it, and for me, my journey was my identity was kind of brainwashed, taken from me mm. somehow, mm. which I was supporting that mm. without knowing mm. until I grew up a little bit more and understanding and reading about my ancestor and mm. stuff. Then I understand, okay, now we do yeah, have a Yeah, I can imagine your story. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine your story would actually so, be even more complicated than, <laughs> than mine. Um, but I think the same thing you think about me is the same thing I think about mm, yourself definitely. and others in Voices of Aroha that have created this movement and these spaces for other people to share their stories and their journeys and identities. Mm. So I think, yeah, it's just about supporting each other because I think mm. we're all in exile. We're all in the diaspora. We're all disconnected from our homelands mm -hmm. and we're in the West. So might as well, I guess, support each other throughout this journey to, like you said, contribute to the New yeah. Zealand New Zealand society, contribute to the welfare of, you know, Tinoranga Tiratanga and, and indigenous rights, and also contribute to our own people and our own communities, I guess. It's it's just important to maintain that solidarity, I suppose. Yes, yeah. definitely. And that's one of the reasons that this microphone and this show is there. Yeah. It's about to raise the voice of the communities to people, tell their own stories. Mm. And especially for all the listeners who are listening to us in English, right? In English language, who are listening to us because we speak different language yeah. and we come from different cultures. So, but I have to say, yeah, Voices of Aroha <laughs> 2030 
will be in Tirio Modi, inshallah. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All of us will be here speaking Tirio. So and <laughs> that's a, we have to make that uh, a plan, a strategy. 2030, you 2035 maybe. Something like that. <laughs> well, maybe before that, yeah, maybe. if you join uh, the team. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Just, that's what solidarity is. Let's support each other so that we can all speak Tereo in, in the next five years or so. Definitely. I like that. Yep, <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. That's our strategy for 2030. Yeah. yeah Here I'm we key. go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm key, honestly. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for that, Shayman. Really um, glad to having you. And it was really good conversation with you, knowing about you, your kupapa, your work and the challenges that you face during your life and all of that things. Thank you for sharing that. We are coming to kind of ending this part of the episode. The microphone is for you. If you want to have any message for the youth, any message for the people, listeners, mm. our listeners are diverse backgrounds yeah. in society. So I have a mic for you. Cool. So to my black indigenous people of color, be proud of who you are and your identity. Don't let anybody take that away from you. Support each other and create that solidarity across each other. For my ethnic whānau, we are on stolen land at the end of the day. We are um, in a colonized country, so make sure that you're doing your bit in um, decolonizing Aotearoa and advancing Tino Rangatiratanga. And to our Pākehā allies, just please be anti-racist and please, please, please be better allies because the world is changing. You either get on the waka or you don't. We're still going to move ahead. So, yeah, I guess that's it from me. Great. Thank cool. you so much. And also I want to say thank you for our sound engineer and great uh, person, Hamid, for his behind the scenes doing all the magic thank stuff. You. Thank you so much, uh, Shayma, again no for coming to the show. It was thank really glad and pleasure to have you on the show. Awesome. Uh, dear listeners, thank you for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.
خودت میخوای بری خاطرشی اما دلت میسوزه تظاهر میکنی عاشقمی این بازی هر روز نترس آدم دمه رفتن همش دلشوره میگیره دو روز بگذره این دلشوره ها
That programme was brought to you by Wellington Access Radio. Get your voice heard. Thanks New Zealand On Air for funding accessmedia.nz.